Let's wrap up the show, the last half hour of the show. We're going to spend it with Rob Chestnut. He is the former chief ethics officer of Airbnb. He's got a new book. It's called Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. He joins us on the phone from lovely Santa Cruz, California. Rob, how are you? I'm doing great. The weather's beautiful here today. Oh, I, man, I was there in Santa Cruz <laughs> with my family over the uh, Christmas and New Year's holiday. A I, I didn't want to leave. It is just, it's so gorgeous there. What's life like in Northern California? Because we hear these California headlines about the virus, but I, I know enough to be dangerous that the Northern California scene and the Southern California scene, they're pretty different, right? They are different. I, I hear from friends down in Southern California that, a lot of people are not wearing masks down in that area of the country. Whenever I get out, and I, and I don't get out a whole lot, I see a lot of masks up here in, in Northern California. Uh, I think people are people are being careful. Uh, the streets are pretty deserted compared to usual. And uh, everywhere I go in the grocery stores, lots of masks. Uh, trying to do the best we can. Well, that's not very. Uh, that's not integrity being displayed there by, by <laughs> folks in Southern California, those who aren't wearing masks. <laughs> let's, let's... I, I agree with you. I think it's a real show of courtesy uh, to, towards your fellow man yeah. uh, to, to wear masks and respect. So we need to get people on it. I don't understand how wearing a mask has become so political. When, when you are talking about integrity and doing good and not doing evil, how do you keep it so that you focus on just doing the right thing as opposed to getting caught up in whether it's politically correct or not? Well, you need an open mind. Uh, you know, I think everyone needs a, like a North Star in life, you know, a purpose and sort of a commitment to live uh, with integrity as they can best perceive it. Uh, but people also, I think, need to have some self-awareness and listen to people around them uh, and be willing to you know, adjust their views uh, as they learn more information. Uh, you know, it, it seems like we do a lot of partisan thinking in this country where people kind of get stuck on one side and just feel like they're dogged in committing to stick by it no matter what. And uh, that, that's not going to get us in a good place. So tell us about the, the sort of the foundation of this book, because I'm, I'm fascinated by your background. You're a federal prosecutor. You went to work for eBay, I believe, and ultimately at Airbnb. What led you? What, what was sort of the, the genesis or the spark? Well, I've been, I've been dealing with rules, I think, my whole life. You know, as a federal prosecutor, I prosecuted uh, espionage cases, uh, you know, which I think it shows about as much lack of integrity as you can you could ever find in a work. Aldrich Ames, right? You were involved in that one. Aldrich Ames. Yeah, I, I, he was one of the cases that I prosecuted when I was in Northern Virginia. Uh, and then at eBay, uh, I started their trust and safety department. You know, all the rules around what you can sell on eBay. You know, can you sell guns and alcohol and tobacco products and drugs and the like? So I've been dealing with rules my whole lifetime. But, uh, you know, just the last three or four years, I've really gotten a sense that the world is changing. Uh, people are far faster now to call out bad conduct by leaders and by companies. Now, I, I refer to it you know, as an integrity revolution in the book. Uh, people are really desiring when they go to work to have a positive impact in the world. And if they perceive the values of their company to not be aligned with their own values, in the past they were quiet. Now they're communicating with each other on Blind and Slack and they're blogging about it. They're tweeting about it. They're even organizing walkouts. And, and I think it's not just employees. 
It's customers. You know, we are in an age of conscious consumerism yeah. where, you know, consumers, if they don't like uh, the way that a particular company operates, they're going to take their money and they're going to move it somewhere else faster than ever before. So the genesis for the book, I think, is was really recognizing this sea change right. and the, the, this heightened expectation that the world's putting on leaders and on companies. And it's an effort to try to help companies adjust in this new world so that they can really take advantage of it and ride it as opposed to fighting the tide and ultimately really hurting their brands. You know, Rob, let's talk a little bit about the tech world, if we can. You've been a part of it uh, in many ways. And as Scarlett pointed out, and as we talked about earlier, you know, this is a day where we had some very well-known tech executives on Capitol Hill. It does virtually, that is, uh, some cases uh, not being able to ironically figure out the technology to testify, but we'll set that aside for a second. Um, How big of a deal is it or how big a deal should we make of it that we have some big existential questions around the role of technology in our lives and the behavior of big tech? Well, I remember back when tech was the darling, don't you? Everybody yeah, of course. Tech companies. They were going to save the world, right? And, and boy, things have changed. And I think uh, a, a lot of that, I think, has been the, their own doing in, in, in a number of the large tech companies. I think it's uh, a singular focus on making money, uh, which is, of course, critical. But you've got to be thinking about other stakeholders. You've got to be thinking about your employees. You've got to be thinking about the communities where you do business. And I think in, in that, uh, in, on that scorecard, a number of these big companies haven't done as well. And that has caused the world to, to take a hard look at them. Yeah, the, the microscope is out. And uh, I, I think we need to see them get ahead of the curve. I think Microsoft, for example, is doing a pretty good job of this, actually, uh, recognizing that the world needs more from big tech. Mm-hmm. They need big tech to step up and solve some big problems uh, instead of solely focusing on that quarterly, that, that quarterly reports number. Think about, you know, I, I have to look at Facebook. So they've got to deal with misinformation and hate on their platform. I think they've got to own up to it and their failure to do it. And I think they've been kind of stubborn about this is really hurting the brand. How much of that do you think is tied to the fact that a lot of these big tech companies are still fairly young companies run by their founders? You bring up Microsoft and that's an you know, at this point, an old company. Uh, the guy who runs it, Satya Nadella, is not Bill Gates. Um, he's a hired hand, essentially. He's a professional manager. Whereas Facebook is run by Mark Zuckerberg. Amazon is run by Jeff Bezos. They are still in the mindset of building their company, building market share, uh, growing as fast as they can, as opposed to understanding that they are behemoths now. I think some of it may be the, the lack of experience. And, and, you know, someone like Satya Nadella perhaps has been around a little longer, sort of understands this idea of, of building a, a loved brand for an infinite time horizon. But, you know, look at Brian Chesky at Airbnb. I think Airbnb has done pretty well overall in uh, recognizing that there's something bigger than just getting big, uh, that the way that you do it and the values that you demonstrate while you're going big uh, make a huge difference. A lot of it is who you listen to. Uh, I think that you know, some of the, the, the younger tech executives it isn't the fact that they're young and inexperienced as much as are they really demonstrating an open mind, a curious learning mindset to listen to people uh, who are outside of their tight inner circle and learn from them. 
uh, I, I do think fa- Facebook could do a better job in this regard. And Jason, that's why diversity and inclusion is so important to make sure that you don't have the same kinds of people in your company that you talk to all day long. Totally. I was, that's exactly where I was going to go next. And, and Rob, I do wonder along those exact lines, it feels like these dual crises, the pandemic and the virtual world we're living in, you know, Zoom to Zoom or however you're communicating with people, as well as a long overdue reckoning when it comes to racial inequality, it feels like it's laid bare a lot at all sorts of companies, big and small. How do we take advantage of that and, and maybe reset ourselves? Well, I think we need to start with an understanding that we all come to the world with our own specific set of goggles and lenses. We see the world through our own eyes and our own experiences. But what we sometimes fail to understand is that there are a whole broad set of experiences out there that diversity can really help us learn from. I'll take Airbnb. You know, the, when Airbnb faced a discrimination crisis several years ago on its platform, I think part of it was caused by the fact that there wasn't enough diversity in the leadership of the company back then. There were people who had actually experienced discrimination who could have helped, I think, be a little more proactive in, get, in getting on top of these sorts of issues. Uh, diversity brings the power of human experience beyond what any one individual can do. I love walking into a room and seeing people that look different than I do because it means that we're going to get some different perspectives that I couldn't begin to understand. Uh, but those are critical, I think, in dealing with, with, in dealing with crisis and dealing with uh, the racial injustice. You've got to have that understanding inside your company at the leadership level. Rob, you talked about stakeholders earlier on, and that brought me to the Business Roundtable's uh, definition of a corporation or purpose of a corporation. Last summer, they came out, they revised their mission statement, essentially saying that it's not just uh, for the shareholders, right? They're, they're not just committing to shareholders, they're committing to their employees, to customers, to suppliers, to the communities as well. How did you interpret that? Because it, it was sufficiently vague that anyone can walk away with the interpretation that they want. Well, I think it was a powerful move. Uh, we're talking about abandoning now decades of thinking about the purpose of a company and why it exists. Uh, and, and I think the fact that the Business Roundtable did this was a big step. But you're right, there's still a lot, uh, there's still a lot to interpret. I, I think it's a recognition, though, uh, that the world is tired of companies just running in their narrow lane and only thinking about how fast they can get big and how much money they can make. The world needs companies to step up and think about the communities where they operate, think about their customers, and think about their employees. And the world's actually pushing companies really hard in this, in this respect. So in some ways, I think that what the Business Roundtable did is a reflection of where we are now as a society and what, company, what we expect from companies. And I think companies that uh, ignore it as fluff and continue their old way of doing things are, are going to struggle. Uh, companies, I think, that take it seriously really identify their stakeholders mm-hmm. and think about how they can make their share, their stakeholders successful, I think they're going to be the ones that, that leap ahead in the next five years. All right. Rob Chestnut, thank you so much. Really good to spend some time with you. He's the author of the new book. It's called Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution, based on his experiences and observations working as the top lawyer at Airbnb, as well as at eBay, a background as a federal prosecutor as well. Uh, Check that out. A good and timely quarantine read.